Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. And we believe in the doctrine that the apostles, amen, brought forth that which was, amen, from Christ to the apostles and brought forth to the church that was launched in the book of Acts. We want to be like that. Our goal is to match that. Our goal is to live like the Bible, look like the Bible, sound like the Bible, amen. We want to be biblical Christians, amen. And so we are, amen, apostolic in our doctrine. We believe Amen. In the Pentecostal experience. And that means that we believe in speaking in other tongues. Amen. Amen. We believe in speaking in other tongues. And I felt directed of the Lord this week that I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about what it means to speak in other tongues as the Bible talks about it. What does the Bible have to say about it? Because, amen, whether you know it or not, it's become quite popular. Amen. And I don't say that negatively. I thank God for it. Amen. And I want to know what the Bible has to say about it. I want you to know what the Bible has to say about it. Amen. And if you don't understand what I'm even talking about right now, well, guess what? You're in the right place at the right time. Amen. We're going to learn some things today. Amen. How many are ready for what thus saith the Lord in this house this morning? Amen. Amen. There is a, uh, a, a group of Pew Research that does some very interesting work, that does statistical work, amen, around America and around the world. And Pew Research in 2013 said that over 56 million people speak in tongues. Now, that is not around the world. That's in the United States of America that 56 million people have claimed to speak in other tongues, amen, as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, the biblical understanding of speaking in other tongues. And there's some more recent uh, research that's been done. And there's an article that you can read, and it's written by a very liberal Unitarian Universalist. And I, I had to look up what that was, and uh, it, that's an interesting group of people. Um, and, and he is writing this from a uh, perspective of he doesn't like it. So this isn't one of us writing about us and patting, you know, saying, hey, this is, we're awesome. But he was writing it from a different perspective. But even though he was writing from that, he had to stay to the factual evidence. And he, his own quote is, Pentecostalism snowballed into a national and then a worldwide movement. An estimated 35,000 people join the Pentecostal church every single day. Come on, somebody. 35,000 people a day are joining the Pentecostal church. Of the world's 2 billion Christians, a quarter of them are now Pentecostal Christians. And they would declare that they have had a Pentecostal. Has anybody in this house had a Pentecostal experience? 
He quotes in the article, as most of Christianity is shrinking, Pentecostals are the fastest growing group in Christianity. And there are 631 million Pentecostals in 2014, which comprised nearly one-fourth of all Christians. There, are, there were only, hear me now, there were only 63 million Pentecostals in 1970, but the number is expected to reach 800 million in 20. 25 because Pentecostalism is exploding around the world because people are getting back to the Bible and saying, I want something that's real. I want something I can read about in the Word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. And just in case we confuse this author and this, uh, the guy that compiled these statistics with being one of us, he finishes with this. Will much of Christianity be transformed into jerking, howling, swooning congregations who utter incoherent sounds? If so, that's one more reason for thinking people to renounce irrational supernaturalism. Now, I don't know about you, but I've always known thinking people to like factual evidence. And he just gave us the results of the research that Pentecostalism and speaking in other tongues has exploded around the world. We're not making it up. We're not putting out some sort of facade. In the last days, God said, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And we are living in a day where God is pouring out his spirit upon whosoever will. Can I just tell somebody that may have heard of speaking in tongues for the first time 30 seconds ago, you can leave this place uh, having been filled uh, with the spirit of the almighty God you can leave this place uh, having been transformed by the power of an awesome God oh hallelujah ultimately people come to the question of necessity is it of necessity that I would speak in tongues the Bible teaches that it is part of the salvation experience that it is a recognizable evidential confirmation that you have received the Holy Spirit into your life. Basically, the Bible saying there's a way that you can know that you know that you know that you've got the Holy Spirit in your life. There's a way that you don't have to live in confusion and doubt and discouragement. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to wake up every day wondering where you're at with God. But you can be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and speak with other tongues and eliminate all the doubt and the confusion forever. Oh, hallelujah. The question ultimately arrives at the conversation, why did God choose tongues as the initial physical evidence of receiving the Holy Spirit. First, if we are going to believe in God, then that God must be sovereign. It means that God does not need my understanding nor my permission to do anything. If you're going to believe in a God, you better just might as well let him be God. Amen? If the God you and I believe in is controlled by us, dictated by us, and does what we want, I've got news for you. You think you're God. Amen? Was that a little bit, what am I, is that too hard already on a Sunday morning? <laughs> I don't want to be God. 
Amen. Guess what? The job is not open. The throne is not empty. Heaven's not looking for God. God is alive and well, always has been, always will be the one who was and is and is to come, the almighty God. And if he's going to be almighty, then he gets to do whatever he wants to do. Amen. God is not accountable to us. Isaiah says it like this in the 40th chapter. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? Who wants to say they taught God how to be God? Who wants to say that they told God everything that he needed to know, that they they taught God everything he needed to learn. We are not given license to question God's ways or dispute his actions. His power and his purposes are supreme. His promises are sure. His performance and his power are unmatched. And I'm thankful today that I have a God and I have no problem surrendering myself to that God because I need a God. If you don't want to believe in God, then don't. Then don't. Nobody's forcing you to do anything today. Amen. Just be prepared to struggle when you contemplate the universe. Just be ready to accept that all of humanism's answers are going to fall woefully short. But if you do believe in God, then you must also believe that you are not God. And if there is a God, I want to know all I can know about him. I want to be as close to him as I can possibly be. And he said, I have been with you, but I shall be in you. That's how close he wants to be. Amen? Most of the time, people's questions and concerns about speaking in tongues can be answered by simply reading the Bible. That's not a dig today. I'm just telling you. Most of the confusion is because people just have not read the Bible. And Google is not the Bible. The Bible shows us the connection between speaking in tongues and receiving the Holy Spirit. It shows us the connection between the presence of power of God and how we receive that into our lives, and that how speaking in tongues is connected. Isaiah 28, the prophet says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherein you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Amen. Yet they would not hear. Mark 16 says this, And these signs shall follow them that believe, in my name shall they cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. In Acts 2, it said like this, And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. In Acts 10, it says it like this, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. How did they know? They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Acts 19 says it like this. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied. 
when you read the Bible, you find out uh, there is a direct connection uh, between receiving the Holy Spirit or what the Bible calls the gift of the Holy Ghost uh, and speaking in other tongues. Pentecostals didn't just make up some weird idea. We didn't just say, hey, what can we do that would just be really different? We need to come up with some sort, something that's marketable. What could we put out on social media that would just cause people to be like, what? No, it's in the Bible. Receiving the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues are clearly connected in Scripture. And when we ask why, we should remember. We should remember. Why did God choose blood as the basis of the atonement? Why did God choose water as an element in baptism? Why did God choose gold as overlaying metal on the Ark of the Covenant? Why did God choose stone to write the commandments on? Why did God choose dust to form mankind in? Amen. Because he's God. Because he's God. I don't claim to have an answer to everything that God does. I don't attempt to speak on behalf of God, but when the Bible says it, we believe it. And if the Bible says that I will speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance, and I'll be able to know that the Holy Spirit is now residing inside of me, then I want to speak in other tongues, and I want this great gift of God to be active in my life. Faith is the beginning of the whole God and man experience. Faith and biblical support are hard to argue with. I said faith and biblical support are hard to argue with. I say that because there is no other book in the history of humanity that has been more attacked and more despised and more scrutinized than the Bible. Yet it's still here. Amen. But you know what? It's more than just still here. This is interesting. Would you be surprised to learn that in 2021, studies were done and discovered that Bible users in the United States have increased over the last few years? Yeah. 54% of Americans think our nation would be worse off without the Bible. That's how much they think it has an effect. That's how much they think it matters. Our nation would be worse if it didn't have the Bible. Over half of the United States of America believes that statement. Over half of U.S. adults say the Bible is without error. Over half of Americans say the Bible holds the keys to a meaningful life. One in six U.S. adults read the Bible most days of the week. You're shocked by that, aren't you? We're shocked by that because we look at the culture. Because we look at what's been blaring in our faces. We listen to the loudest voices. We see only what is shoved into our faces on social media and media alone. We only pay attention to the extremely negative things that are happening. And we believe that because it looks so bad and so dark and so bleak and nobody can get along and nobody agrees on anything. When somebody does a poll and they find out that one in six American adults read the Bible almost every single day, it makes 
us wonder if maybe we've been listening to the wrong voices altogether and maybe there's a revival in the land and maybe there are people hungry for God and maybe they finally realize that I don't have the answer and you don't have the answer government don't have the answer humanity don't have the answer money doesn't have the answer pursuing pleasure doesn't have the answer but there is a God in heaven there is a God in heaven and his word is true and it has the answers I wish everybody would clap their hands unto the Lord A very telling statistic is found in the people who were once considered to be very disengaged biblically. So they have like very engaged, somewhat engaged, and very disengaged. These are kind of the groups. And the group of people who were once considered very disengaged from the Bible. No Bible connection at all in their lives. That percentage had held steady for many, many years in America. But in the last few years, the number of people in that group has dropped nearly 8%. People had no interest in the Bible. No connection to the Bible. But now a massive 8% of that entire group has decided, maybe I need to, maybe I need to find a Bible. Maybe I, need to get, maybe I need to get my hands on a Bible. Maybe I should be reading the Bible a little bit more. Oh, hallelujah. And yes, by the way, if you're a member of this church and you call yourself an apostolic Pentecostal Christian and you're not reading the Bible, that statistic ought to be convicting to us. It ought to be convicting to us that one in six Americans are reading the Bible almost every day of the week. Amen. The church has got to be connected to the Word because the Word is what tells us these things. The Word is what teaches us how to talk to the amen people about the power of speaking in other tongues and knowing that you've been filled with the Spirit of the Almighty God. The necessity of it, the importance of it, the value of it. Scripture teaches us that speaking in tongues is immediate external evidence. Now there are many other evidences of the operation of the Spirit in a person's life. However, it takes time for those things to present themselves. Speaking in other tongues is the immediate evidence. It's the initial sign, if you will, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. There are other signs. Galatians 5, we know them. The fruit of the Spirit is love, Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. That is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. That which the Spirit of God produces in a person's life. But these are not immediate. But a process of being led by the Spirit. This is what we become once we're filled with the Spirit. These are the possibilities of what we can become. Oh, hallelujah. Let me say it this way. If you've got it all together and you're perfect and you love your life and everything's great, then maybe you don't need to be listening to me right now. But if some of those fruits of the Spirit 
seem appealing to you? If there's some things in there that says, man, I wish I had more of that in my life. Uh, I wish I had some more of that in my life. Uh, I wish some of that was being produced in my life. Then maybe uh, we need to quit trying to get the fruits of the Spirit uh, before we actually get the Spirit. Uh, If we'll get the Spirit of God, uh, amen, and know we've got the Spirit of God because we speak in other tongues, uh, then we can wake up tomorrow knowing, okay, God, uh, you're in me. Now go to work. Uh, Now start producing some of the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Oh, hallelujah. The Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit once entered into a person becomes a teacher. The Bible tells us this. Tells us in John 16 that when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. Oh, hallelujah. That right there is the reason why There's so much fighting, resisting, and pushing back in the spiritual realm against people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's so much fighting and resistance from people who do not want you to receive the Spirit of God and know that you receive the Spirit of God. You know why? Because it leads you into all truth. Because it begins to teach you, amen, of what God's truth is. And many of us have grown up in a secular society, in a humanistic society that wants to say there is no absolute truth. And there is no truth. And it's just whatever you want to think and whatever you want to believe. But that's never been true. From the creation of humanity, that's never been true. There is a God that was before us and a God that will be after us. And his law is supreme above all the heavens and the earth there is a truth and his name is Jesus hallelujah but that truth that we want so desperately that truth that we hunger after that truth that answers the questions of the soul oh hallelujah the truth that answers the questions of the soul it's available There's a teacher, but you have to receive the Holy Spirit. And the only way you know, amen, that you have received the Holy Spirit for sure is when you speak in other tongues. Everybody with me this morning? Love is no longer just our human understanding of love when we receive the Spirit. Joy takes us to a level that we've never experienced joy before when we're filled with the Spirit. Peace is magnified upon us when we are filled with the Spirit. And the peace of God, Philippians 4 tells us, which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is possible. When? When you've been filled with the Spirit of the Almighty God. When Peter and the other Jewish Christians went to Caesarea, they knew the Gentiles had received the Holy Ghost. They knew it. They knew immediately. How did they know they had received the Holy Ghost? It wasn't because they said, wow, they have a lot of long-suffering. Look at their long-suffering. It wasn't because they said, man, they have meekness. Look at the temperance of this group. No, Acts 10, 46, 47, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? Oh, hallelujah. That was how they knew. 
that they had received the Holy Ghost because they heard them, they heard them speak in other tongues. It was to them as it is to us, an outward evidence that is instantly observable and heard. It's also a uniform evidence. It applies to everyone, regardless of age, gender, race, culture, language. Everybody receives the Holy Ghost the same. Oh, hallelujah, I love that. Everybody receives the Holy Ghost the same. Now, let me do a little Bible study within the message. We've been doing a series around here. We just wrapped it up. If you're interested in the gifts of the Spirit, you should go back and listen to our podcast we've been doing on Wednesday nights on the gifts of the Spirit. But some people confuse 1 Corinthians 12 to dispute speaking in tongues because it says, have all the gifts of healing? Question mark. Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? This can be better understood by reading the entire chapter. By the way, that's often a way to get understanding. Just read a little bit more. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says that there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, the same Spirit, the same Lord, the same God. 1 Corinthians 12, for to one is given the spirit of the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self-same spirit Dividing to every man severally as he will. All of these gifts of the Spirit are controlled by and come from the Holy Spirit. Paul wants to be clear on this. You cannot operate in the gifts of the Spirit without first receiving the Spirit of God. You cannot use something that you don't have yet. Once a person is filled with the Spirit of God, speaking with other tongues, then the Bible says they are a vessel by which the gifts of the Spirit can begin to work through them or flow through them. Diverse tongues and the interpretation of tongues are separate gifts of the Spirit that we must have the Spirit to operate in. And I just taught about this on Wednesday. So you can go back and listen to a whole 40-plus minute lesson on what it means, the diversity of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And it's different from speaking in other tongues. Amen. As the Spirit of gives you the utterance for your salvation, we cannot be used in the gifts of the Spirit until we have received the Spirit of God unto our salvation. Oh, Hallelujah. It's the same as faith. We all need faith to be saved, right? It all begins with faith. We understand that. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever what? Believeth. That's faith. Believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. 
Yet 1 Corinthians tells us of another gift of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12, 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. So there is saving faith and there is the gift of faith. There is saving faith that I must have to be saved, but then there's also once I have been filled with the Spirit of God, there is the gift of faith. They're the same in essence, but they're different in operation. Ultimately, speaking in tongues is a sign. Prepare yourselves now. It's a sign of complete control. Ooh. Our generation shudders at the words. The word control may bother us, but we're just going to have to get over it. James 3 provides a lot of information on the human tongue. Did you know that? Did you know that the Bible talks about your tongue? And the tongue, he says, is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. The tongue defiles the whole body. It setteth on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And the church said amen. We are horrible at controlling our own tongue. And it leads us to destruction. We need to surrender our tongue over to God. We need him to take control, oh hallelujah, of this most unruly member that we have never been able to tame. Oh, hallelujah. James compares this to a few things to help us have understanding. He says, we need like the bit in the horse's mouth. It gives the rider control over the direction. He says, we need, amen, our tongue controlled as if the helm of a ship gives the pilot command of the vessel. We need God to take control of our tongue. And how does he do that? When we speak in other tongues, we know that we are no longer in control over what is being done, but that the Holy Spirit has come into our life and now it's flowing out of us. You say, well, preacher, that's just weird. Okay. The Bible has a lot of weird stuff. Amen. Amen. Kneeling down beside your bed, folding your hands, and calling upon the name of a God that you cannot see is weird until you do it. I said it's weird until you do it. 
Amen. Some of you walked in here today the first time. God bless you. Glad you're here. Good day to be here. And usually all people, amen, at the very beginning of service, the song starts to get sung, and some people decided, I think I want to step out, and I want to get a little closer to the front. Now, that's weird. Traditional church would say that's weird till you do it. Amen. We called for, amen, our prayer team to come up, and they got these little vials of oil up here, and they put a little bit on their finger. And they prayed for people in the name of Jesus. And that's weird if you don't read the Bible. But it's powerful when you do read the Bible. Amen. I fully understand that we live in a day and an age. In fact, let me just say it this way. We live in a part of the country where this whole Pete speaking in tongues things uh, may seem a little weird uh, to the religion that you grew up with. uh, But I'm trying to get into your spirit today the reality that it's in the book. uh, It's the word of God. uh, And it has a point. Uh, It's a part of our salvation experience. Uh, It's a part of the power that we need to live in this ever-darkening world. It's a part of the understanding that we need to survive and to know how to live. Hallelujah. It's in, the, in a beautiful act of surrender to God's authority in our lives completely, our tongue is released from our command and given over to the Spirit of God. It becomes the avenue of expression for the whole of our being, all of our heart, emotion, attitude are expressed differently after we have been filled with the spirit of the almighty we get connected to the holy spirit of god transformed and purified by the filter of the holy spirit of god it's not difficult to see why god chose speaking in tongues to express the greatest most miraculous experience available this side of heaven oh hallelujah Our spirit and God's spirit uniting together. Humanity being filled and directed by deity. That is beautiful. We didn't choose it. God did. And it's much more for us than just speaking in a God-given language. It's much more than that. The prophet Joel prophesied 800 years before it ever even happened. It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit. He said that 800 years before Pentecost. 800 years later, the apostle Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, and he says in Acts 2.16, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. As they were speaking in other tongues, and as revival was breaking out on the streets of Jerusalem, Peter stands up and said, this is what the prophet was talking about, that it was going to happen. Only days before Pentecost, Jesus said this before he ascended into heaven in Acts 1, but ye shall receive power. When? When am I going to receive this power? I need power. I'm weak. I'm struggling. I can't do it. I can't defend myself. I can't, I can't even control my own flesh. I'm struggling. I'm, I, I'm, I'm getting weaker as the day goes by. Ye shall receive power after that. The Holy Ghost is come upon you. 
It's the only place you're going to get the strength that you need. You can't say no to it. You're addicted to it. You struggled with it. You're bound by it. You don't know how to say no to it. You need the spirit of the almighty God. After that, the Holy Ghost is upon me, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And how did they know that the Holy Ghost had come upon them? Jesus said it was going to come. He said it's going to come. You're going to receive the power. It's coming. Get ready. How did they know? Acts 2, 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one court in one place. Verse 4, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. How did they know that what Jesus promised them was actually happening when they spoke in tongues? Mm. At Pentecost, when Peter finished preaching, they said, what must we do? What do we have to do? Tell us what to do. We're moved. We're intrigued. We want something new. We're hungry for something different. We want something real. And Peter immediately responded with the gospel message of salvation. And what is that gospel message of salvation? Repent and be baptized Every one of you, Acts 2.38, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now think about that for a second. He said, the plan of salvation is that you will repent. Well, guess what? When you repent, you know you repent. Right? You know when you say with your own mouth, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I've sinned. I failed you. I've made choices, sinful choices, and I need you to forgive me. I am a sinner, and I'm repenting, and I need you to forgive me. There's no confusion there. Guess what? There's no confusion when you're baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. There's no confusion. The Bible teaches that baptism is done by immersion. It's hard to get mistakenly baptized by immersion. It's hard to forget going down in a watery grave of baptism. And the scripture says that you do it in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. There's no confusion. And he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, ask, let me ask you this question. Why would a God who has gone to such lengths to make sure there's no confusion in the gospel message, do you think then he would just say this last thing, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? And be like, now everybody just be super confused by that. No. It's only confusing if you don't read the Bible. But when you read the Bible, you realize that I shall receive the gift of Holy Ghost. and means I'm going to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives me the ability. And, I'm gonna, and it's going to be an act. Hear me today. 
just like repentance and baptism, it's going to be an act that is not confusing to me. Amen. Amen. I've I've dealt with so many people over the years on, on, on these subjects. Let me just help you out a little bit. At some point in the next few minutes, you're going to feel God. You may even get some of them goosebumps. Right? Pretty sure it was like a, it was like I got goosebumps all over me. And the hair stood up on my arm. And it was like, oh, oh, that's awesome. Good. That's great. That's not the Holy Ghost. That's being in the presence of God. It's being near to God. Have you ever got close to like really powerful electricity? You get close enough, you can tell. You can tell. But that's not the same thing. <laughs> Brother Kermit says, has electricity flowing through your body. That's a whole different deal. I'm telling you today, don't stop at the feel good. Don't stop at the goosebumps. Don't stop on, man, that was nice. Don't stop on, I shed a tear and I feel like this has been a good day. No, there needs to be something inside of you that says God says he's got a gift for me. And I'm going to receive that gift, uh, his spirit in me. I'm not going home by myself again today. I'm not going back to that battle, standing there all by myself again today. I'm not going to feel weak and any longer. I'm not going to feel incapable any longer. I need something inside of me that allows me to have the confidence that everything's going to be all right. I need to know when I lay my head down and when I wake up in the morning that my God is with me. I want to speak in other tongues and receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The promise he says. For the promise. See, there'll be people that'll tell you that it's only for certain ones. There'll be people who don't read the Bible that will tell you that it was only for a certain time. There'll be people that will tell you that it was only for a certain group of people. But the Bible clearly says, the promise is unto you and your children and all them that are far off. As many as the Lord our God shall call. Oh, hallelujah. Don't let somebody, don't let somebody deceive you and talk you out of receiving the greatest gift that humanity has ever been offered. The gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the greatest gift. He calls it a gift intentionally. The word gift is used intentionally. Because it's offered, but you must receive it. You must receive it. Think about it this way for just a second. Of course the enemy of our soul doesn't want us to believe in this. Because in just a few minutes today, we've read scriptures that tell us that receiving the Holy Spirit evidenced by speaking in tongues is part of our salvation 
that it brings rest that only God can give, that it gives us power to be light in a dark world and to cast out devils, that it teaches us what all truth is, that it brings peace beyond understanding, that it ultimately brings forth the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. In just a few minutes today, we've looked at scriptures that tell us that the Holy Spirit does all of those things. Of course the enemy of your soul doesn't want you to have this experience. Of course he doesn't want you to have this experience. And by the way, it's spreading like a wildfire around the globe. It's clearly present in the Bible and the Bible which more people are believing in now. There is a God. He loved us enough to die on the cross. He was God enough to rise again on the third day. And he wants to put his spirit in our lives and make everything better. But it's up to us to believe. Stand with me if you would today, please. what am I supposed to do? Well, uh, you're here today. That means you have at least, you're operating in an element of faith that at least got you in the building. So you've got faith. You don't have to worry about it. You've got faith. You say, well, I don't have faith. I don't believe in this and that and that. I'm not saying you have the greatest faith in the world. I'm saying you have faith. Faith now has an opportunity to act. And the first step is repentance. Repentance. We're going to a holy God. We're talking to a holy God. We sang that song about the throne room. And the angels cry, holy, holy, holy. We're going to a holy God. And a holy God is not going to come into a vessel that refuses to repent. So the first step our faith has to take today is to repent of our sins. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, you can do that before you leave here today. We have information that you can take with you if you want to study it out a little bit more and read the Bible for yourself. But then you you repent and you begin to worship the Lord begin to worship the world. Preacher, I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. Well, repentance repentance is easy because you just have to look in the mirror. You just have to acknowledge the reality of our lives. The decisions. The actions we've taken. And you have to say, God, forgive me. Now you say, Preacher, I've been sinning since I was 10 years old. I've been I don't even remember all the sins. That's fine. Just repent and ask God to forgive you of your sins. You don't have to list every one of them. You just have to be submissive and humble and broken before God and say, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness today. And as you feel, as you begin to repent of your sins, let me tell you what's going to happen. 
the love of God is going to start talk, moving over you. The love of God is going to come upon you. You may cry, you may weep, you may smile, I don't know. But you're going to feel the love of God come on you. I want you to understand something. That's not the ending of anything. That's the beginning. The love of God wants to come upon us today. And as you begin to feel the love of God come upon you today, I want you to just start worshiping Him. You say, well, preacher, what does that look like? It looks like you worshiping God from your heart. It looks like you saying things like, I love you, Lord. A lot of times I find myself saying, thank you for first loving me. I love you, Lord. Thank you for first loving me. I worship you. It's declaring that he is God. You are God. It's making it personal. You are my God. And I worship you. It's just expressing what you're feeling in your heart because you were just forgiven of your sins by a God who wrote himself in flesh and died on a cross so that we could have this moment, this opportunity. And if that doesn't move you, I'm sorry, but it should move you. It should stir you that he loves us that much. And when we begin to worship him and love him back, you're going to feel that presence of God begin to grow you're going to feel it begin to grow around you. And all I'm trying to get you to do today is do not stop. Lift up your voice and lift, love the Lord. Love Him out loud. And if you begin to speak in other tongues, if what comes out of your mouth doesn't make any sense to you, if it doesn't sound like anything to you, you don't have to be afraid of that. You don't have to stop that. You don't have to be embarrassed by that. The Holy Spirit of God is coming upon you, and He's wanting to transform your life today. Would you lift your hands all across this house right now? I feel the power of an awesome God. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.